0: It's the Daily Talk Show, episode six hundred and fifty-three. Happy Monday, Gronks. What's happening? What's going on? We've got uh, Keegan Backer, aka Keegs, uh, in the building. AKA his home. G'day Hi guys.
1: Mm. I'm you. good.
2: Um congratulations on going two shows a day. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I see yeah. that correctly? Yeah, Because I've been Anymore. waiting to get on the show. I've, for ages I've been waiting to get the invite to come on the show and now I've only got the call-up when you have literally <laughs> double the available guest <laughs> <That's laughs> So I don't know what that says it- about me. But anyway, it's good to be here finally. Well, it-
1: we were looking for our first person in official quarantine. And so there's a few things that have happened, mate, that have been right timing. You decided to go to Dubai and then coronavirus decided to unleash on the world. Uh, what's going on, mate? You're at home 14 days. Are you, can you leave at all?
2: No, so I can't leave at all. Um, can't even go take the dog out for a walk. So I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of mates that live nearby and stuff, so they've been really nice and, you know, offering to, Walk my dog for me and bring groceries and stuff like that. But yeah, can't go out. Um, I could. There's a chance that I could be interrupted during this show with police knocking at the door because they haven't arrived yet. But um, they say that they could show up um, really any day just to randomly spot check. Talking about here. the police, but, um,
0: the police thing. Just before I was mentioning that I could hear a siren, uh, Bree just notified me that there was someone on Smith Street refusing to stop their car. So, there was a, a very slow chase going on.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, th- there's... Right. Exactly. I was expecting a better reaction, to be honest.
1: <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> I mean, Josh, you're hearing people do some disgusting things. I heard someone licking their credit card and and gronk behaviour like that. But someone who is doing something nice is uh, Keegan Backer, Mate, um, I saw you doing a live stream and I jumped on and I was thinking is keegs accidentally live streamed his um his workflow on his computer but then i worked <laughs> out that it wasn't that what do you what are you live streaming what have you been live streaming at the moment
2: um so it started just as purely as a project for isolation because i'm pretty bored and i've got nothing else to do and um building apps is my sort of bread and butter and building web applications so um i wanted to do something build something new in isolation in quarantine and um we built uh, started building a something that was going to be useful for the community. So um, it's just a directory for um, businesses that are still open that are affected by COVID-19. And, um, yeah, so I started live streaming the process so that people could um, follow along and learn how apps get made and watch the watch the thing get built. Um, so it's felt like it's been, you know, much like this show, I'm sure you guys, you know, with your Gronk Squad, um, it feels like it's a bit of a community project and it feels like it's a, being... Um, uh being built by everyone not just myself
0: so. yeah i think um i mean the, the cool thing about you keigs is you went from radio being an announcer i think you were like one of the youngest people on the metro in the metro market doing sort of um being a day jock and all that sort of thing and mm-hmm. then on the side have built a very successful sort of, sort of audience radio audience tool called or data um What's what's typically day-to-day for All Data for you at the moment?
2: Well, it's pretty good. I um, I mean, I know this is a really tragic and disastrous situation that everyone's in around the world, but, I mean, the sort of silver lining for me is that I was sort of prepared because I've been working from home since late last year. So, um, over the past three years, I sort of transitioned gradually more and more into or Data, which is my business, um, but still being on air at Fox FM in Melbourne. Um, but then I finally went full time uh, with Auditor at the end of last year so and started working from home, um, although I started working from home for a couple of months and then it was a February, I think, I got into a co-working space because <laughs> I wanted to go in and um, be around other people and I got signed up for six months there and two days in um I left to go overseas yeah. for a week and came back and now I'm in quarantine. So, um, but it's good that I've had the, had the practice of being able to work from home and um, we've got a small team and they're all working remotely like you guys are at the moment. So, um, day-to-day things are still, still going pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky that we're in a, you know, cloud software space. We make software and that's sort of something you can do from anywhere. There's no... Um, direct contact with people you know face to face so um, yeah haven't haven't been too affected at this stage but and you do a lot of the, um,
0: the the tech side of things how much of the tech stuff are you doing
2: I still do a lot um, I do a, I do a little a bit less now um, I have a really I have a horrible problem with delegation I tend to be a bit of a control freak and I like to just get things done myself and I have a real issue with <laughs> Um, sort of letting other people do things uh, for me, which is a fault. But um, that's not a
0: fault. People aren't yeah. as good as you, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I just, I just, you know, it's that sort of thing of like, I just sort of know. Oh well, I, I could just get, I could ask someone to do this thing for me, or I could just, I, I'll just go and do it because it'll just be quicker. But then, mm-hmm. then there's no. Sort of system in place to scale. So that's something I've been working on, and that's where you know we're making a lot of progress in that. But I still do, you know, write a lot of code and build a lot of stuff. I think I just it's just always something I've been interested in. I've been yep. sort of writing code and doing tech stuff like long, long before all data, and it was always a little side hobby for me. And now it's now it's my full time gig.
1: You um deal with a lot of radio stations around the world. What's been sort of what's happening in the radio landscape? around the globe are they shutting off shows um, or are they continuing work what's going on
2: it's really interesting um it seems to be a real common thread here in australia and i was speaking to some of our customers over in london and the uk at the moment um, radio has been hit really hard on revenue so commercial radio fm radio stations it, i mean they're just it, advertisers aren't there to spend money but the ratings are going through the roof in a lot of cases at the moment, like the overall amount of listeners, um, particularly, I mean, across the board, but particularly with like talkback stations or anything that's got a bit more sort of news skew to it. Um, there's a station in London that's got their talk station. One of our customers has got something like three times the cumulative audience. So they're at the total number of listeners at the moment, um, just because of this pandemic pandemic. Um, so they've got bigger audiences than they've ever seen before because people are trying to get, you know, consume as much mass media as they can at the moment. Um, but they don't have anyone spending money on advertising. So it's a bit of a, as a, bi- a, bit a,
1: as a business owner in these times, what, where does your mind go? Is it, is it a, uh, you know, is it an opportunity? Is it something you just have to ride or how do you view it?
2: Oh, it's a bit of, it's a bit of both. And it obviously depends what kind of industry you're in. And I feel really bad for, all the small businesses and stuff, like a lot of you know cafes and restaurants. That I mean, you just look at those small businesses, and I can just like they could have been. No, it just happened so quickly. There was no real way to prepare yourself for this, and now they've had to shut their doors, and they're reacting to it. um But it, every situation, as bad as it is to say, is is an opportunity in business. I think, and I mean, on one on one side, I think one definite outcome is that when we're on the other side of this, I think. A lot of these things that we're learning, like working remotely, um, is going to be a lot more commonplace. I just think it's, there's, you know, a lot of these systems and a lot of these processes are probably going to become more of the norm.
0: And so talking about those small businesses, uh, ISO mates, uh is the the app you decided to build. Can you run us through what it actually does and how it came <laughs> to fruition?
2: Sure. So um, at the moment, it's pretty simple. It's just a directory, a free directory for small businesses that uh, have been affected, but have still got their doors open. So we built a a website at the moment. We're hoping to have the um, iPhone and Android apps launched pretty soon as well. Um, So if you're a small business, you can go on to isomates.com and register. And so um, it's basically if you're, you know, you think of local restaurants that have had to close, their. well, they can't have people in the restaurant anymore. So there's a lot of restaurants, you know, in my neighbourhood that are doing like home-cooked meals that you can pick up and take home, Um, different innovative responses from different businesses. So we're just creating a directory where you can uh, register your business and then if you're a consumer, you can pop in your address and it'll show you the local businesses that are near you and sort of what they're offering. Um, Also, you know, it's just tricky at the moment because there are a lot of, you know, your delivery giants still charging commission, large commissions on ordering fees and things like that. So, um, yeah, it just seems there was a really big response from particularly hospitality, particularly restaurants They were the biggest ones to come out and say this was a really great idea and really wanted to get on here. So, um, yeah, businesses tend to to be saying there's a bit of a need for it.
1: I've just jumped on and um, signed in. You can see like the Rising Sun Hotel Richmond, family-owned business, just had to let go of thirty staff, and we we're devastated. So they're leaving like um, little info, little bits of info about them. Small family-owned local cafe in Carlton, the Vincent, the Dog Cafe. This is cool. Yep. And, um, yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> so when you're sort of the initial idea, because I when I jumped on that live stream, you were saying what should we put in? Someone was saying you know, add in this section so they can leave. Like how much of an idea did you start with, and how far is it? gone to
2: well it started with no idea at all it started as literally um i was i wanted to i just tweeted that i was going to build an app just in isolation and i said oh does anyone would anyone be interested if i live streamed the process and people said yeah cool we can all learn something while we're stuck at home um but then as we sort of fleshed out and it happened you probably saw it happen Tommy. like in those comments like people came up with different suggestions for it and it really sort of fleshed it out um and then i got a lot of messages from you know, cafes, restaurants saying, oh my God, we can't wait to get on this. This is a great idea. So um, then I sort of knew it was onto something and accelerated the process of building it and getting it out a little bit. And it's still going to go a lot further. It's in its infancy at the moment. So it's just our MVP or minimum viable product that we've got up at the moment. Um, But we are going to add more things to it, but that'll be really um, informed by the feedback that we get from these small businesses. So once they get on there, they'll sort of, you know, hopefully tell us. Um, what they what they like about it and what they want and we'll hopefully be able to react because that's the whole thing as well like this is just the situation as you know is changing so often and rapidly Mm -hmm. and you know it could be tomorrow with no warning that new regulations might come in place where takeaway might not be an an option anymore um and we'll have to you know adapt it's completely not not for profit um but the whole idea is that throughout this whole journey in this whole process that will be there to um, hopefully support small businesses and help them connect with the community who still want to look after small businesses.
0: It seems like a great response to that feedback that businesses have been giving around the big delivery giants taking a huge Mm -hmm. cut. Um, How hard is it to actually build a fully fledged solution that would allow payments and, and things like that?
2: It's something we're looking into. Um, it, it's it's not so much the challenge in terms of technology. I mean, we're, pro- we could, we're definitely going to add the ability to have like your menu on there or, you know, update your products, put some pictures up there. That's still coming up. Um, maybe we'll look at online ordering and the ability to have payment processing and that kind of thing, uh, particularly if we can make it, you know, almost free for, to, for businesses to accept those orders. You know, they'll probably have to have it be like a credit card. Surcharge or something, like that, but otherwise we won't be taking any commission. Um, the only challenge is, of course, with your delivery companies, is that they have the network of delivery drivers or riders. So that's the one thing that that's the, the tricky part. So it would be for businesses because there are still a lot of businesses out there that have their own delivery capacity, or and we've had a couple of emails from small businesses, restaurants, and stuff where it's literally the business owners or their family or their daughters, have, you know, got a just got her car and she's out driving, doing mm-hmm. deliveries for them and stuff. So, um, then they've got the capacity to do delivery. So that's where we'll be trying to help them out.
0: Hey, Savs, okay. do we uh, have anyone on YouTube in the in the yeah, comments?
2: Yeah, Ryan's saying uh, such a cool idea. A database like this will be able to help these small businesses stay afloat in very trying times. Um, and Jordan also says, great idea.
1: What about uh, kegs in these times? Uh, security and data. Like I mean, what you're doing, very genuine and for the right reasons and purpose. Um, people are starting to think about like what people having our data and being able to track us and logging into stuff. Where do, where do you sit on someone who has these sort of online platforms and needs to sort of implement safety around data? What do you th- What are you thinking about data at the moment?
2: Um, Oh, that's a huge question. Um, It's obviously extremely important. Um, It's better regulated at the moment than it ever has been in history before. It it is uh, different in different parts of the world. So you were talking before about um, All Data, which is my main business, and that's because we now operate internationally. Um, And a big challenge is the regulation and the laws around data security and privacy are very different from region to region. Um, In Australia, we have the Privacy Act and the Australian Privacy Principles. Over in Europe, in the EU, they've got something called GDPR, which is actually far more stringent um, and protects consumers, uh, I would say, a bit better than we do here. Um, But at these times where everything's a little bit crazy, I think is, you know, obviously we're doing things for the right reasons. And we're not, this project is nonprofit. We're not going to be publishing people's data. We're trying to monetize people's data. But there's probably going to be some, you know, um, nefarious actors out there who will be trying to take advantage of people, I guess. You know, unfortunately, the sad reality is there's always, you know, not even just small, like, you know, scammers or criminals or things like that trying to trick people into getting data and register with businesses or websites that aren't necessarily legitimate. But also, you've got to hope that large corporations are doing the right thing as well and large organizations because so many big businesses, you know, these huge enterprises and giants now just live off data. They say data is the new oil. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on them, no matter how much regulation is in place, there's a lot of responsibility on them to do the right thing.
0: What have you learned uh, about business in the the last few years? What's been the the biggest learning for you?
2: Um, Ooh, I think the biggest learning for me is has been about um, sales. I find this was really interesting because I was always like, I thought I was like the developer, like the tech guy. Um, and particularly, and you guys, um, Tommy and JJ would know, you both worked in radio. Like I came up through right, as the radio sales team and you have this idea of like the stereotypical radio sales guy. <laughs> and I just always thought like salespeople were just, a little bit douchey. Like I just thought I could never, ever do that job. And even now, you know, since I started my own business and had to go and sell my product, I'm like, I, I thought the most terrifying thing would be to walk into someone's business and sit down and try and talk about my shit and try and um, sell them my stuff
1: <laughs> sorry i've got a bit of um, uh, I, just, a I just had action. my son That's he's effective. come in and he's he's got into some hand cream and it's oh my god it's all mm. over him like it's, it's a nightmare i oh, don't tell your mum oh she's probably watching <laughs> i'll be back up i i've got to i deal with hand cream all <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. this, is,
0: this is not good <laughs> This I'll be back guys. Not, not ideal. A, a, um
2: I just I feel so bored in isolation or quarantine at the moment. I can't yeah. imagine parents stuck at home. Like it must be just such a different thing. But anyway, so um, sales sales has been the thing I've learned the most. So I think I've sort of I've sort of learnt like, as I thought it was I just thought I would something I would never ever be able to do. I thought it's just not who I am. Um, the ability to just talk myself up and and whatever, but, um, I've actually found it's, it's been, I've been able to go in and just still feel like I'm a genuine person and believe in the things that I'm saying and go into these, you know, businesses who are now our customers and sit down in some, in front of some of the largest media businesses in the world Mm -hmm. and genuinely think that I have something to offer them and genuinely believe that they can, you know, we can do something to, to help them. Um, and that's what's worked really well. So I've learned yeah. a lot about that.
0: You, you hear um, th- there's the memes going around about like ah uh, the um, the company that I bought a domain name from 15 years ago is has just sent me an update on their COVID 19 response. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what has been your take in communicating as a business through these times?
2: Uh, I I'm. I mean, I kind of, I agree. I've had so many, I've had like a hundred emails from different different organizations I've never heard of. You're right. Like you give someone your email address seven years ago and they're sending you out. Here's our response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Like, okay, great. Your team are working remotely. I don't care. Um, so it's interesting. I think only, commu- I, I just think it comes off as really um just not genuine I think a lot of the time like Mm -hmm. unless you're really unless you're putting in unless it's actual information so I think if you're a business or you're a brand and you're putting in place um some more factual communication so here's how things are changing day to day here's what we can do if you're affected you know as opposed to just coming across going we understand this is a difficult time and Mm -hmm. it's a strange time right now and these are unusual times and we're responding to the pandemic and Um, just just, it's just like you know people there are people around the world who are really suffering and certain places are doing it really tough and you're just sending out a massive email going we understand come back and buy a domain name from us
0: yeah Um, and so what do you do what's your your response then
2: well we've had i've had the only issue first of all has been um because we are still seen as a small business you know we're a small team of you know five or six people and Our customers are publicly traded enterprises, you know, so they're enormous companies. So they've, uh, we've, you know, been in contact on the front foot with them. I've reached out to a couple of our customers directly, so the IT managers and whoever, you know, looks after these businesses um, to just sort of reassure them that we have business continuity in place so that, Mm. you know, a lot of their businesses depend on our software. So they just need to know that we're not going to, you know, we're not one of these businesses as um, our prime minister is saying, that's going to go into hibernation and we're not going to be turning off the software for the next six months or something, you know, we're going to continue to be there. So assure them of that. Um, we also put in place a remote readiness program. So we just did some free webinars and some resources that we sent out to help uh, our customers transition to working remotely and working from home. Um, Cause again, it's something that it seems very natural for a lot of small businesses and you guys, you know, you, you sort of switched from being in your studio to working from home very easily because when you're a small agile business, it's, it's quite simple. But when you're a large, <laughs> a really large enterprise Organization things move very slowly, and mm.
1: it wasn't. It wasn't without uh, speed hunts. Tricky. I've just confiscated the Brazilian bum bum cream that my son has um, got, <laughs> got into. But I tell you, mate, it smells absolutely right. unbelievable. Um, Keeks, I was thinking around tech businesses that uh, seek investment, uh, cap, you know, capital raising. I wonder if it's going to yeah. change the whole landscape and really make people look at the problem they're solving and whether that problem is able to sustain something like this in the future. So I wonder if less companies will be able to get funding for projects that seem just a, a bit wishy-washy The you know, the business model is not quite there yet. What do you think about the sort of investment space in tech?
2: I hope it does. Um, I think I feel really strongly about this issue because I just think there's just such a weird cult vibe in tech in particular um, Like... I, I really hate to use the word startup to describe all data. And people always, you know, introduce me, oh, here's Keegs, he's, he's got a startup. And I hate the word startup because people, if you have a tech business, it's a startup, but if you have any other business, it's a business. And people <laughs> create startups and they feel like because it's a startup that they are immune to the laws of business. Like they, oh, we don't have to worry about making money because we're a startup. Um, and it's just absurd that there's been this big bubble in venture capital particularly in Silicon Valley and the like, and now around the world where people throw obscene amounts of money at these, you know, founders who come along, usually young people 20-something white males come along and because they might be the next Steve Jobs or whatever, people just just throw, And I mean, WeWork, you can look at that as an example. Mm. Um, you know, there's obscene amounts of money at people without real strong business practices or a real strong business in place. Um, and then uh, it's created this culture, I think, where so many people get into create startups or, you know, whatever they're doing, um, everyone's businesses is, oh, it's like Uber, but for this, mm-hmm. um, and then everyone focuses on raising money instead of making money. So no one's thinking about how they're serving customers, no one's thinking about, how they're delivering value for society at large, all people are focused on day-to-day is, oh, we got to get our seed round, and then we got to go get our Series A funding. And then we got to go get the next round of funding so we can employ more people. And before we've even figured out how we're a business, we've got to grow so we can employ, you know, a new VP of marketing or whatever. Um, and it's really interesting because I think maybe you're right, Tommy. I think it could be on the other side of this. I think maybe we'll just, as a society, you know, around the world, maybe we'll just we'll cool down a little bit more and not take everything for granted so much. And Well, I
1: think even like, think about trying to do projections for cash flow, even when you are a startup that doesn't have a business model dialed in yet, they're still trying to create some kind of uh, snapshot at what the future may look like from a revenue basis at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's like, you can't, how can you yeah. say what you're going to be earning in six months in in this climate. It's very tricky. And the problem thing, I think it will be more of a focus on, which seems like it should be the thing. What's the problem? What's the solution and how great is that solution? Because there's a bunch of businesses that have a pretty low ranking problem and people are still willing to drop cash on, which those things are going to change instantly when you're thinking twice about getting a coffee. And how much you're spending on a, on a goddamn coffee it's um it's interesting times i think it's you know the reset and what the shift in priorities josh and i were talking about like the almost it's like um it'll be fear it will be damage to people in terms of wanting to go out like uh, it's almost like what do you call it like um uh we've been all affected by this so how can we jump back into going to shopping centers instantly it's almost like a bit of um, damage internally. It could pro- pro- uh, possibly be the same for mm. the, the startup culture. which well, just residual, yeah, just like the, the,
0: the ongoing effect, I guess, of all of that stuff.
2: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's going to refocus even just, you know, in that area of startups and tech and those kind of businesses. Um, I mean, it's going to really put a different, sort of filter over how you evaluate those businesses and what they're offering. Um, because, you know, there are startups out there and I say startups, you know, they get funding because they're trying to develop new ways to cure cancer or, or deliver internet to, you know, third world countries or something. Maybe they're the ones that need these giant, you know, um, seed rounds as opposed to someone mm-hmm. who's built an app that does some funny filter on your face, you know, like, um, yeah, I think maybe we'll look at, just where, how, what value you're delivering and some yeah. of these, yeah, some different different priorities.
0: What was it like uh, traveling? Because when, when did you actually get back to Melbourne?
2: I got back on Monday. Um, so, I, I, I probably wouldn't have left had I known that I was going to have <laughs> to isolate. Um, I flew out the day that they announced it. So, I left Melbourne Airport, I flew to Dubai and I was on an Emirates flight so I had Wi-Fi. And it was a couple of hours into the flight when I checked my phone and it said all returning Australians will have to self-isolate 14 days. Oh. Um, so, but I got to Dubai and it was actually, it was really nice. Um, it was just, I mean, obviously they were taking it very seriously there, but it felt a lot calmer and a lot like no one was stabbing each other for toilet paper over there. And I'm just like watching on Twitter and stuff and Instagram, just, just what looked like Australia descending into absolute chaos. Um, I think things have sort of calmed down a little bit now because I think when I was there, it was like every day there was another big, huge headline or new laws or mm. restrictions introduced. But
0: And so with what Dubai, I found really interesting were they, were they actually just, experiencing issues? Were they having like how many, what was the toll
2: like well, and, and the numbers? I don't know where they're at at the moment, but they definitely, I know it's easy to say, you know, compare them to some, a huge country like Australia compared to a small, you know, like the UAE is a very small country. But um, when I got there, I think they had around 80 confirmed cases. And the day that I landed was their first day where they where they recorded more recoveries than new cases, um, which tells you that they were early on on the ball. Um, so what were they doing? The other now? thing I noticed was they, early, they just early took stuff. heed of the they just take heed of what the government tells them to do. I don't know whether mm-hmm. it's respect or fear for the government that they have there, but just a different culture where The government says stay home don't go out and everyone's like okay yep the places were empty people just weren't going to work it was everyone took it really seriously whereas i think we have a very different culture here in australia where aussies just take the piss a bit and we'll just push it right until the limit um no matter how many times you know leaders and experts come out on tally and say you need to stay home people are at the beach and people are at the park
1: we've got a meme culture i mean people just it's like a snowball effect of jumping on the Prime Minister, whether he's good or bad. You know, <laughs> subjective, yeah. But it's like I I'd like seeing the memes about, you know, he came out and said that you can go, you know, he he's his wife went and bought a jigsaw puzzle for the kids and that's an essential <laughs> item. And so there's all these memes about, you know, you can go out, you can't exercise in a group of 10, but you can go and get your jigsaw. 'Cause that's priority. Yeah, up,
2: up. Can't go to baret classes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you, Keegs, deal with what's your sort of natural emotive response to uncertainty and not knowing what the future looks like?
2: Not good. Um I'm someone I have a lot of problems with anxiety. I've had mental health issues around anxiety in the past. So um this is a real real bad one for me. Luckily I've got a lot of strategies for managing that now and um, I've had to sort of be a bit more stringent with them and a bit, you know, more practiced um, on that, you know, things like meditating and that kind of thing has been fantastic um, because I don't deal well with uh, uncertainty. I'm not someone who Mm. is is casual go with the flow. I'm someone that needs to know where things are going to go and what I'm going to be doing and, you know, what, the what the numbers are going to be and um at the moment no one has that in any sort of remote sense so um it's been it's been challenging it's been definitely strange but um I, i'm managing it pretty well i think but i've just had to make sure i'm taking time putting time in my calendar every day to, to you know meditate and and try and stay stay on top of it
0: Have you noticed that the way your anxiety shows has changed in a time like now?
2: Mm, I don't think so. I think it's still the same kind of underlying signals and triggers and things that I sort of feel. It still feels very much the same. Um, It is kind of not – I mean, I know it's it's hard to sort of look at the positives of something like this, but it it is sort of – the one silver lining that i take away is that it does feel like like everyone's in the same boat together and i mean we're all in this together is the phrase that every you know every news outlet is thrown around quite a lot um every but podcast. it is true like yeah, exactly um you know like everyone around every country every you know every um socioeconomic tier no matter you know rich or poor or different races or different parts of the world it's sort of everyone's facing the same challenge so it does. There is sort of a sense of camaraderie in, in, you know, the fact that okay, well, previously I kind of, you know, w- you know, particularly I think I started, you know, with me- my personal mental health. I started having issues with anxiety like seven or eight years ago when it really came to the fore. And I'm grateful that in that those seven years, as you would know, like mental health awareness and the stigma around it has been challenged quite dramatically and has changed quite a lot. Um, so there's that. So you know, back then I sort of felt a little bit alone and couldn't talk about it. Whereas now, very different, very different situation. I've got um, a friend
1: who but it um, is nice. Sorry, mate. I was, Sorry. I've got a friend who struggled with mental health as well, and um, like a lot of us. And I was speaking to him over the weekend, and I asked him, "How's your mental health at the moment?" And um, he answered, but then he said to me, oh, "Why did you ask? Like, why did you ask about my mental health?" Which I've kind of just been reflecting on. Uh, how you could, as a friend, ask somebody? Do you, would you? How would you respond when one of your best mates? I mean, we're friends, but you know, someone from back in Bendigo that you grew up with, that you chat to all the time. How would you feel being asked? How's your mental health? A very direct approach.
2: Um, yeah, I think I think I'm okay with it. I think I've I've tried to be really, you know, like I said over the past few years and my journey with it, I've really sort of tried to realise that it's not a not a weakness or not a, you know, mm. not something that should be uh, embarrassing or shameful. So um, I kind of, you know, like to think that, you know, I'm happy if people ask me that and, and check in and want to know how I'm doing. Um, mm. Yeah, but I can appreciate obviously perhaps not everyone is in that same situation. So for some people there still is a bit of a, um, I, I, I had a really good friend of mine who, uh, you know, I caught up with him a few weeks ago. Obviously, before social distancing came in for beers, and he said he was, you know, he'd been dealing with anxiety for a couple of years, quite badly. And and um, I had no idea, absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was one of my cl- very close friends, but he'd just not, never spoken about it to me. And um, and I just it's just interesting because I just wonder how many people, you know, are in sort of immediate social circle or how many people we might interact with that perhaps aren't comfortable speaking mm. about it or or talking about it or even asking someone or mentioning that they might not be feeling too great. Um, yeah.
0: TJ, what do you think would be the difference, say, asking how's your mental health versus how are you going? Do you see a, a distinction in those two questions?
1: Yeah, the Aussie response is, yeah, good, mate, how are you? Yeah, it's um, it's a very <laughs> specific, like. I get that you could there's twenty questions you could sort of ask that are less direct and mm-hmm. get a sense of somebody's feelings. But I thought this person, I just thought it was trying a more straightforward, open approach, and it got an answer, and it got, uh, and it was more. I yeah, it um, I guess there so what are. What did you learn? Um, well, I just. I mean, he gave me the response and, you know, all good and it was what it was and but it was just the response after it of saying, why did you ask that? What what were you thinking? Like it's trying to – it was just flipping it on its head yeah. and putting it back on to me. What and, do you um, think
0: that he was seeking in asking, asking you that? Do you think that there was sort it's of – so, Like
1: is there signs? Is there mm-hmm. – no, I think it's more like what sort of prompted you – And, you know, where where is is it coming? coming Because everything's fucked. (laughs) Yeah, I said it's a hard time before. (laughs) It's a hard time. And I know it's been hard for you in the past. And I wanted to make sure you're all right. Like, it's, um, you know, for some people, I guess, Keyes, like your mate who, you know, hats off to him coming to you and actually saying that he's struggling is a huge, huge thing. And Mm -hmm. I know when I've got problems, it's almost like sometimes you just want somebody to ask. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to mm. I don't necessarily want to instigate, but I boy, I wanna be asked it's about it. It's a hard it. one.
2: Yeah, it's a hard one. I wouldn't know I don't think I'd know. Like I'm happy to talk about it and I'm happy to be asked about it, but I still don't think I would know how I would start that conversation if I was in that if I was in his shoes or if I was in if I was someone that was that was struggling a little bit and I didn't mm. know unless someone asked me, I don't know that I could sort of because like, it would feel like a bit of a dick move to sort of, you know, go, hey, let's go for a beer and then sit down and then all of a sudden just put all this all this weight on on your mate by just saying, you know, whatever's on your mind. Um, mm. I, think yeah, I, I, mean, would, I think I would find that really difficult.
1: Yeah, and that, that's why I think your mate did such a great job. It's um, mm-hmm. Brene Brown just released a podcast talking about how she sort of deals with um, – you know, living with her husband, and when they're both not feeling amazing, and then that clash when you're both at a low level of energy, and so then it's like their strategies of being able to help each other. You know, so when I'm at a twenty, my wife's at an eighty; she can sort of prop me up. And um, and one of their strategies is Are you talking, about talking about salaries. Talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually the situation currently. My <laughs> wife's making eighty percent of the bacon, but it's um, no, but just giving your feel your mood your sort of energy everything a sort of a percentage and so what are you running at today and it's a nice sort of reset i loved it between yourself and your partner or yourself and your business partner it could be one of these any sort of relationship Mm -hmm. just putting a number to it to understand who's got more in the tank and how could i assist that person who doesn't have as much in the tank today Um, so is that
2: what Brene brown actually said was putting in like using a specific number like actually assigning it a percentage very yeah.
1: value yeah right yeah so because the problem is when you both get back and you walk you know you both get home near 20% but you want to get into bed and the other person wants to do exactly the same and then there's a mm. conflict cuz the kids need to be fed and the dog needs to be walked and so who's doing it and so it's just you're at loggerheads at that point and and if you both are, and this is the thing right it's like just even saying you're feeling anxious is a, a release for some people. And so just giving the percentage out into the world can make you feel like a bit lighter. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, how, what's your percent today, Josh? Uh,
0: uh, today I reckon probably like a 60 But
1: um, I think that the the interesting that's the six out of pick a number out of ten. I know you usually go seven. Well, I I think that (laughs) no six is lower. (laughs) Yeah, no, but (laughs) it's
0: everyone says seven. You give me the shits, I'm forty. The the, uh, no, I think that one thing that I've discovered is that I've been uncomfortable with if Bree says, "Are you okay?" and I'm. Uh, in a bad mood or whatever, but I can't Id- identify the specific thing that's annoying. I've previously said, "Yeah, I'm fine," because I feel like I don't have until I have an answer. What's the point? Whereas I think I've gotten comfortable being like, "Yeah, I'm a bit off. I don't know why," mm. but um,
1: yeah, I'll feel a know. bit funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Keegs for me, anxiety. I never really identified as having anxiety, and maybe it was. It's been more spoke of, and mental health is very sort of prominent in the media and learning about it. But it's um, like you said, it's like seven years ago I started feeling anxious. Do you think you were feeling anxious well beyond seven years, or you just sort of identified and looked inward more?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a uh, it's been a lifetime thing, but um, I probably it, it it was a very. Um, it became. It manifested itself in a real sort of physical way. It was seven years ago, yeah, that's seven years ago. So, um, I does that think coincide I when you sure started
1: working at SEA in Melbourne? <laughs> well,
2: yeah, it was my first year at Fox. So, who knows? Um, I mean, it's yeah, pretty, no, I had, being
0: had, on uh, in the public eye or, or being young and having to, especially because you are a high performer, you're always trying really hard. Do you think that that was turning on the mic became a, you know, part of the problem?
2: I definitely think so. I think I, I felt like there was a bit of a sense of, um, you know, a bit of imposter syndrome or whatever because I was very young. I was, you know, 21 or whatever when I got the gig at Fox uh, work days and at that point that was quite a remarkable achievement. And, you know, you're supposed to go through all the regionals. I came from Bendigo and then I did a year stint in Perth and then I got the biggest station in the country, which was kind of the dream job, and I got it at 21, 22. Um, and there was so much pressure to be like, the guy to to prove that you deserved it like every day you know you you do another shift every day on air and every time you turn the mic on you're supposed to do something that's like uh, you know wowing or amazing people so and i you know i didn't i didn't it didn't you know it didn't bother me that much directly but i think it probably stoked the fires a little bit and there was on a subconscious level it probably contributed a bit but um yeah that was when i i sort of developed um, what was diagnosed as hypochondriasis, so I thought I was dying all the time, thought I had, you know, real critical illnesses and believed it genuinely. And it took a good mm. year for, you know, um, to the point I was hospitalized one night, long story, but thought I was having how a heart was it attack. Ma- and- yeah, so
0: what was it? How was it manifesting? Because I find that breathing and stuff. Can become difficult which is well, really annoying when coronavirus like they talk about all the breathing yeah. and shit like that well
1: josh's stomach has a heartbeat now yeah um- exactly yeah
0: it's a new it's a new i've released a new beat it's coming out of my stomach
2: <laughs> <laughs> well for me it was um for me it was i was i was obsessed with i thought i was having a heart attack so one night mm-hmm. i was sitting there and my i physically um, i got like it felt like i had a, a pressure on my chest which is exactly what they described heart attack feeling like and then pain mm-hmm. shooting down my arms um and so i I got driven to the um emergency room and my heart was heart rate was like you know 180 or 200 or something like that it was you know insane um Mm -hmm. and the doctors sort of rushed me straight into the recess room and they kept saying i was there for like 24 hours and they kept saying oh it can't be anxiety because anxiety wouldn't make your heart do this but we can't find anything wrong with your heart um and then it took like a good 12 months of talking to other like I went to like the top cardiologist in the state and he you know they did all the tests and they're like nothing is wrong and mm-hmm. I'm like no it's definitely not anxiety and then eventually you know they they I went up to see a psychologist um and that was the beginning of sort of that life-changing process of being diagnosed with anxiety and saying yeah okay it's it is what it is and I think it, it sort of changes a lot when you know you have you know diagnosis is a sort of an unpleasant word, I guess, but when you can put a name to it and you can sort of, you know, attribute those kind of feelings to something, um, it, it's good because then you can start to sort of feel like, you know, if you're sick, you take medicine. If you've, you know, if you've got anxiety, it's it's just a it's an illness, um, as most as mental health is, and so you can start sort of dealing with it and find. Treatments and solutions, whether it's meditating or um, exercise or whatever it might be, just it just starts to put it in a bit more of a real sort of sense.
0: Mm. With the, um, uh, your business, what do you find that because you are uh, sort of the you know the the person that's running it day to day and things like that? Like, how do you keep the mental health stuff? Uh, in check or, or what do you sort of communicate from a business perspective so you know that you've got the support you need?
2: That's a good question. Um, I don't think I do. I think that's probably an area where I could definitely improve. Um, at this stage, I don't know that I do have like... I think I think internally, like within myself, I think I do. Like I think I've got those checks and balances that I sort of, you know... Um, run through with myself, you know, how am I feeling and being aware of that and not letting all this anxiety bottle up when you're not aware of it and then all of a sudden it sort of explodes, you know. So staying in in touch with your mental health is is important and I do that. I don't know if I have any sort of – if I communicate that with people perhaps as well as I should, you know, people who it is tricky in business. You don't want to sort Mm -hmm. of come across – like you can talk to your mates about mental health. You don't want to sit down with the customer and go (laughs) – I'm not feeling that great today. I'm at about a forty percent. But uh, here we go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, so, yeah. the people think
1: that the leaders are the strongest within mm. the business or whatever it be. The pack, and it, it, everyone's human. That's the thing about mental illness. It it, it doesn't discriminate. It will. It, it's a part. It's a part of everyone's human experience to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you kn- knocked it on the head. I think it's those coping mechanisms. So, having this conversation, like, f- thanks for sharing, Keys. It's um, it's confronting to share, and it's vulnerable. And I think the stigma is being taken away from what it means to share the fact that you are struggling with mental illness. I wonder if you know the the re- the press release or the email out to current clients about COVID nineteen. I wonder, like. This you never see a, a company saying if we're you know <laughs> something around mental health maybe mm. this should be the email the, to all your subscribers. Hey guys, I'm uh, I'm at a twenty. Um, how are you? <laughs> well, it feels like <laughs> also
0: leadership is is all about communication, and it's also I guess about um, asking for help as well. Like I think that for a long time I thought leadership was. About um, leading and being, you know, that's this that sort of uh, cliche around it's it's lonely at, at the, that sort of CEO level or things like that. Mm-hmm. But if we can all empathise as a complete workforce, if everyone understands it, hang on, like the person, the CEO in my company that's making all of these decisions, they're actually they're struggling just like all of us. And I guess that from that sco- this the side of things of Scomo is it's like. That's the empathy that I have, where it's like yeah. uh, politics aside, it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, it would be really, really hard right now to be uh, leading any country.
2: I totally agree. I, I, like you was told, you were saying before, you love all the beams going over because that is Australian culture, and so do I. Like, I'll be the first to take the piss out of him on Twitter. But God, it must be tough. like I, you could not pay me to be in his situation at the moment. I mean. You could argue he didn't handle the bushfires pretty well. But regardless of that, he's had two pretty much unprecedented disasters, absolute, you know, catastrophes back to back. And at the moment, like every press, like last night he did a press conference and he just looked he'd, like he'd been through the ringer. I'm like, oh. uh-huh. like it must uh-huh. be, it must be the way to the world.
1: You know i think the t- the tough. more tired he gets the sort of more appealing more empathetic he seems it's when he's had a good mm. night's sleep and he gets a bit of a gets a bit chipper starts smiling <laughs> and is talking about you know not your 10 people yeah, two people you know it's uh, <laughs> mate it's it would I don't I wouldn't want that job even if you paid mm. me 2 5 million yep. bucks to Still be honest,
0: guys, yeah. I'll just say I don't think anyone's asking either of you guys to be the Prime Minister. <laughs> so you don't have to Yeah, worry. so no,
1: just, I just um, wanted to put it out right. there, just in case you were thinking of asking Keeggs yeah. or I, we're not up for it, mate. No, We don't no, want okay, to. Great.
0: 97, would you be Prime <laughs> yeah. Minister? How much would you uh, need? Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. Okay, all right. Definitely well, not. no one asked you either. <laughs> just... um, so what are people says, saying in the comments?
2: Uh, I agree with the feeling, feeling like a burden if you drop your problems on a friend. I feel I have some friends that I can talk to about mental health and others that I don't want to. It's not in a bad way, just different purposes. Emily also mm-hmm. says, thanks for sharing, Keegs. As someone who struggles with mental health, I always find it encouraging hearing others speak about their experiences.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Keegs, thanks so much for coming on the show. We would uh, love to get you back as um, ISO mates develops as well on Plus because we're doing two shows. Uh, a day. Need to fill content. You know, yep. Got, we got more, <laughs> you, more time for keys. I will
2: be your filler guest whenever you don't have the A grades. <laughs> oh, hey, can you people. just host it for me, please? I, I, I want to take <laughs> a day off. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: perfect. Uh, it's a daily talk show. If you enjoyed the show, you can watch live at YouTube, youtube.com forward slash the daily talk show. We're also doing the thing like we always do, which is uploading them as podcasts, and you can listen to that on your favorite podcast app. Definitely check out uh, isomates at isomates.com. And uh, Kiggs, is it easy for people to sign up if they're a business?
2: Yep, uh, isomates.com. If you're a business, there's a link in the top right corner that says businesses. So click on that, um, pop in your business details, and then, um, yeah, then you're up and running.
0: Perfect. All right, Thank you, mate. Talk Thanks for the work. Catch
2: you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: See you guys.